because that's what I'm there to do. That's what I'm there to do. Like, oh, uh, so what is? Oh, okay. So what do you what do you cut out like a certain amount of time in your day or different slots where yes. you'll jump on your computer and say, oh, I'm yes, going to answer fifty uh, replies right now. Yeah, I go in there and I go and I just start bam, 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 and I can do replies <laughs> so fast because I'm a fast <laughs> typist and I'm just sitting in the replies. I go through them and I, and I usually try to catch up in the morning. I don't catch them all up, but I often catch up a bunch and then uh, uh, and then I'll just go through and like I said. Uh, there's a lot of people I know, as you referenced earlier, inside there because there's a lot of really cool people in my Twitter, and I know them. I've been interacting with them for years, and so we can just get good laughs about uh, the absolute stupid shit that's going on out there. And I'll just just send it out, you know. Yeah. Oh, definitely. No, it's fantastic. Now, before we jump into some serious issues, I just wanted to hit you on this. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. The Alex Jones stuff. So here's the, and you tweeted about this, but here's the interest yeah. as we're talking about censorship and everything else on social media. Interesting yeah. part is a couple times I mentioned to you a lawyer my father had worked for over the years named Norm Pattis, who came from the yeah. left, but he wrote a book all about uh, the FBI and how corrupt they are. He was like a civil rights attorney. And mm -hmm. so he wrote uh, all about, um, you know, basically if the FBI knocks on your door, whether to ask you questions or whether you're a suspect or a witness you know just tell them to go f themselves and that's basically what you keep repeating uh until you end up getting your lawyer there well norm pattis happened to be alex jones's lawyer in this <laughs> because i believe in the state of connecticut he is like he would be the guy you would go to uh right. if you were looking for a civil rights attorney so norm uh loses this case and then ends up losing his morning show uh that he had a radio show the last six months in the state of Connecticut so I don't know if his reputation is completely tarnished I haven't talked to my father about it yet but what's your take on this whole thing do you think this was just set up to send a message to people like you to people like Mike Moore to everyone else in independent media to that if we could get Alex Jones for a billion dollars we can get everybody else do you think that was the point of this I I have a hard time believing it's anything else I do think that there's probably, as usual, there's always many layers to it that they take advantage of. So there's many messages that can be sent uh, with one event. And so that's clearly a message they want to send. I think that the cases are very different. And like the one in Texas versus the one in Connecticut, I was considering going and looking into kind of PACER account for the state and seeing what was actually filed in the case, see what was actually tried. Uh, the reporting, legal reporting and all these kinds of things is always so horrible. I, I read the articles about the stuff and I know it's done by so-called lawyers or people that have law degrees, but they leave out all the stuff that matters. And so it's very difficult to understand procedurally what went on. Like in Texas, they call it a trial, but really it wasn't a trial because uh, the issues of liability really weren't tried. Those were those were deemed against him because of his so-called failure to produce a discovery. And so they ruled against him and then they had a trial on damages. Okay, well, that's not very common. Okay, and it's not really a trial. And it's really important to understand that the issues of liability in Texas were not litigated. They just weren't litigated. And so they call it a trial. They act like it was all done. The facts are this and that. But that's not really what happened in Texas. And in Connecticut, I wasn't following the case. And I don't know, but I suspect if there was a similar kind of refusal to turn over 
the the absurd uh, discovery requests that were made that were grossly too broad and asinine and no real judge would ever grant it. Um, and I don't think it'll survive in Texas. Personally, I don't think that will survive an appeal. I think that that will to get flipped. And I don't know what happened in Connecticut, but I suspect it's the same because uh, the cases were proceeding somewhat simultaneously. And so it was very unlikely that Alex Jones would choose to take one path in one set of cases that are basically identical and a totally different kind of path in the other kind of case that's also proceeding in another state. I, I just doubt that's what happened. So I'm very interested to know when they call it a trial, was this really a trial? Did they actually call witnesses, prove up the events and all the different issues of libel or was the slander and libel deemed against him as a result of some kind of procedural wrangling that the court entered prior to the time the jury was given the uh, damages issue. And I just don't know. But I know in Texas they, they, they didn't. And, and I suspect the same thing in Connecticut. Yeah, and that, that's the issue with something like this. I mean, it would have to really pique your uh, personal interest enough for you to go in and spend, you know, hours upon hours to research this all, read right. what uh, all the transcripts, if there are any, you know, of what happened. Well, it'll be, in, uh, it won't be that complicated. I don't, it's, it will definitely take time, but I've, I'm going to look, I'm going to at least glance into it. And because by just simply reading the docket sheet, which is just a listing of, the, the documents that get filed in a case. And in a case like this, is probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, documents that have been filed. And by just looking at that, I'll be able to go through there and lay like motion to such and such, you know, order and such and such. And I'll be able to pull it up and look. And I've considered, I'm going to glance through it. And depending on what's in there, I'm going to do a show about it. And uh, maybe either way, I'm going to do a show about it because I think it's an important topic, even though I don't give a shit about uh, the nonsense that's going on and like all the kinds of shows I do, I like to use it as a platform to kind of explain things. And one of the things I could explain is the, the really, really inaccurate legal reporting that goes on in most cases. When you read an article about a legal case, the vast majority of the time, it's totally and completely deceptive and it leaves out everything you need. And I think this Alex Jones case is big enough. Everybody knows about it that it might be a really nice platform to use. No, it, it's interesting that you bring that up because here on this show, uh, we're 60-something episodes in. Obviously, I cover a lot of stuff on technology, on all this right. biotech crap that's going on, the fourth industrial revolution. And what I I always try to use the research that I do live for the audience as a teaching moment so that they can learn multiple things from one story. And so the last few episodes, we've been covering uh, psychedelics coupled with uh, virtual reality glasses, and I'm showing them as we did research into Operation Paperclip and MK Ultra that this stuff is all an extension. But when you read these new uh, science-driven uh, science articles or healthcare articles talking about, oh, the government did lots of testing on LSD and psychedelics in the 1950s and 60s, and then it was made illegal under the Johnson and there Nixon administrations, go. and so now it's finally back and we can get back to work, and I'm showing the audience, look, I just spent two episodes teaching you about Sidney Gottlieb and MK Ultra. how in every 
every one of these scientific journals when they mention that the government was testing LSD. They never tell you it was at the hands of Sidney Gottlieb, who was trained by the Nazi and Japanese torturers, who was actually right. doing all of the LSD mind control experiments. And the same thing I see, as you mentioned, with these legal articles. They write these articles, but they leave everything out that you would actually need to know about and understand to make your own conclusion by reading the article. Bingo. Bingo. I mean, the way they reported that Texas uh, Alex Jones case was just ridiculous. I mean, it's so completely deceptive. And by leaving this stuff out, mischaracterizing what was going on to people who are laymen, meaning that they aren't actually trained in the law, they don't understand that, that the vast majority of all these things that the people get screwed with are procedural. They're technical procedural matters. It's not really so much that the substantive law is so wrong, though it is a lot wrong. That's not how they screw most people. And that's not how it went down with Alex Jones in Texas. And I, like I said, I still think that the Texas case, even if it's a setup, I don't think it'll survive uh, uh, the appeal because I don't think they can take a case that prominent and, and do to the law what that trial court did to the law because it will cause so many problems in other cases that they don't want to affect. It's almost unworkable. And so they can't really, they can't really let it stay on the books with an appeal and, and they can't really decide it in sort of an uh, undisclosed manner. Like you can have unpublished opinions, but you can't really unpublish an opinion on a case that's this prominent because it just doesn't work. It's, it's going to have to be a published opinion. I suspect if I had to guess that they get appeal in Texas, they get reversed, and then they uh, settle confidentially. That's what I would suspect, because that way then the public gets all the punch of the danger and the fear, and nobody really knows what happened, and everybody who thinks when you settle, that's an admission in effect. Um, and they, they think, oh, we got off in a technicality and blah, blah, blah. I, that's what I ha if I had to guess, that's what I would say will happen in that case. And, and for those people that haven't been following this at all, what's the big, uh, I mean, what was this all about? This is about slander. This is about libel. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, the parents claim that, you know, he, he said these things. And, you know, if you, if you accept the Sandy Hook uh, narrative, official narrative is true, if, if you do, then, you know, what he's accusing the, the, these people of is pretending to be parents of children who were killed. Okay, that's pretty slanderous. Okay, that would cause actually a lot of emotional damage, not $965 million in, in Connecticut. That's ludicrous. That case should, that, that damage awards be tossed. But you can see how the, the, the basic concept is legitimate. It's a legitimate basis if uh, their claims are true that he's, uh, he, he made them, uh, he would embarrass them. Imagine if you actually had a kid who'd been killed in a situation and there's a guy with a reach of millions of people saying that you didn't even have a kid, nothing ever happened. And uh, you're just, you're just trying to get money off that everywhere you went, you know, people would notice you in the town and blah, blah. It, there would be a lot of damage. I agree. There would be, but the issue is, is any of that true? And he said it wasn't. And then we didn't actually get to litigate it. And so, um, you know, by, by having this overly broad discovery request that the plaintiff sent to Alex Jones, really ultimately totally and completely unreasonable in a non-publicity driven case, there's no way a regular court uh, sides with the plaintiff in that discovery request and grants it. No chance. And, uh, and then to... 
to render a verdict against him, in effect, to direct a verdict on liability against him for failing to turn over items that really don't have jack shit to do with <laughs> the issue of liability, uh, again, is a completely outrageous uh, position, which, again, I don't think will last to appeal. But that's what actually went on in the case procedurally. And the implication by having a uh, having a verdict, when the people see a verdict in Texas, a verdict, oh, this big verdict, blah, 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 that had happened a couple of months ago, people assume that the case, the underlying factual issues were in fact tried, that there was a, a, a direct and cross and the evidence was presented, but none of that actually happened. See, none of that actually happened. They never got to that point. And, and when I tell people things like that, they're very, very surprised. They're, it doesn't necessarily change your opinion because I'm not seeking to change your opinion on the underlying issue of whether or not the event is real, occurred, should have been. They're just mm -hmm. shocked that it's, it's reported in such a deceptive fashion and that such a key point was left out. And that's the point I try to bring across to people is that it doesn't, I'm not trying to sway people one way or the other. I'm just trying to show them that this applies every single time you see some kind of bogus case reported in the uh, news. I don't care if it's a Supreme Court opinion case, people don't understand how those things go down, that you have to understand that it's crap. I did a case, um, a show like two years ago when the Supreme Court uh, upheld this ridiculous uh, ruling in California where they, they decided that the churches could be shut down and blah, blah, blah. It was a gross violation of the First Amendment. What, I, what people didn't understand and what I told them would happen and the reason I knew it would happen is that what the Supreme Court used, what the trial courts used, what everybody used for so-called proof and evidence was that the official narrative from the CDC was just uh, entered into the record. That was the, those were the facts. They weren't addressed. The record was that it's a it's a dangerous pandemic with the blah blah thousands of millions of people and at risk and blah blah all the stupid shit you heard Tony Fauci saying just was completely and totally undisputed because procedurally you weren't allowed to dispute it and so it just gets entered into the record and that's what they rule off well if the set of facts is that we're all about to die unless we go get this uh, shot, if that's what the state of facts is that the court so-called must use, well, then you can understand how you might be able to get to the decision they got to. What people assume is that that the issue, the underlying issues of the liability about whether the shot works or this, the subject and that, the immunity and blah, blah, all this different shit gets litigated because they see TV and movies and they imagine that's real. And, <laughs> and so that's the part that's problematic for people is that they see that they, they don't understand. And then of course it just gets compounded. And I, and the Alex Jones case is another similar kind of case to that. No, no. Well, that's interesting that you just brought that up. So before I get into, uh, you know, lies and deceptions, I want to talk to you about that. Now that you've gotten into this area, let's talk about this a little bit. I, I don't want to mention who, but I had mentioned before the show to you about a particular case where someone is talking about, you know, suing one of these big podcasting platforms right. and asking for discovery. And I heard you mention over your last few shows uh, on the quash, you know, talking about just this, that everyone believes now the government's release 
releasing facts that mRNA is leaching out of women's breast milk and now it's messing up women's menstrual cycles. All these things right. that people like you and I and Mike and others had said was going to happen two years ago. We were called conspiracy theorists nutcase for even bringing this up. But now it's all coming out. And a lot of us knew this would come out because this was in the tabletop exercises like Spars Pandemic. They said two years right. in, they're going to start releasing this. Pretty soon on TV, you're going to see Fauci on with Tucker and he's going to be like, yeah, we gave everyone nanobots. We had to kill 50% of the people. Doesn't matter. It just had to be done to save humanity. And everyone will be going, look, Tucker said it's true. So it's true now. And then everyone's going to say, well, can we sue? Can we sue? How do we sue them? How do we win? They forced us to do this. I mean, could you just briefly explain from a legal standpoint, uh, not to burst people's bubble, but how that would be a lot more difficult uh, than anyone believes? Yeah, well, a lot of it has to do with who, you, who you're thinking you're going to sue. A lot of people want to, uh, these people in the government, these health organizations, they want them to pay for all this stuff, or they want Pfizer to pay, or they, or they want somebody in media to pay. Well, every one of those kinds of cases is a completely and totally different kind of case with a whole different set of problems. And so what people have to understand is that the entire system, the entire system is set up well, knowing that the system is going to protect itself. And, and the illusion is that you have this ability to go using the system to go attack the system. That's not possible. You can't use the system to actually attack the system. It doesn't mean that people inside the system don't have the appearance periodically of getting punished. But the only reason that ever happens is because the system wants that to happen. They are basically throwing somebody to the wolves in order to provide the illusion that, see, it works. You can go get justice. You can go and file and crimes against humanity. And we're going to get this and that. Okay. That's none of that's actually true because what people don't seem to understand is that there's a huge amount of cost involved in any litigation. And if you look at, forget the fact that there's immunity, there's the individual judges, all the kind of stuff I just talked about with regards to Alex Jones and discovery, uh, just forget outright corruption. Just even if you had a supposed literally fair playing field, mm -hmm. there's a tremendous amount of cost in any of these things. The people, whenever you are an individual going up against a large organization, the chances of winning are almost zero because they have the ability to outlast you and to wear you down. And most claims don't actually have a right to recover attorney's fees if you win. They don't. Uh, some, some statues have a discretionary thing where the court is permitted to uh, grant attorney's fees and costs at the end, but it's not obligated to. And there's a huge difference there, too. In most situations where they're only permitted to, they almost never do. And if they do, maybe they only grant a small amount. And there's tons and tons of additional costs that often are not even considered part of the attorney's fees. And they're necessary. All these expert costs and all this other stuff you have to get, all this discovery. It's not possible. The system under no circumstances is set up so that you can go into the system and make the system do things the system doesn't want to do. Well, you've got literally trillions and trillions of dollars devoted to this, uh, this pandemic thing. They're not going to allow a citizen or anybody else to go in and mess that plan up. It's 
really quite naive and silly to believe that they would allow such a thing. And so the hopes, just like I did the show two years ago about the crimes against humanity, when that stupid crap first came out and everybody keeps keeps imagining there's going to be a second set of Nuremberg trials and blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, go research your first Nuremberg trials. <laughs> you don't want a scam like that. That is kind of what you will get. You will get a scam like the Nuremberg trials were. And at best, you're never going to get punishment of these people unless the system wants to punish them. And they may. They may want to punish a few people uh, in certain ways to provide the illusion that there was a mistake, that they're taking it seriously, that they've got all sorts of procedures now in place and they've learned so many lessons and blah, 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 and they'll never make the same mistakes again. And we're and the freedom worked and we can all go on. That's That's a high likelihood. But the overall concept that there is a true justice system out there that you can go into to get the same system that runs the justice system, that's just a that's just an absurd concept. That's all. Yeah, well, uh, and on the Nuremberg uh, code <laughs> stuff, right? I mean, yes, the majority of those guys, we actually let off the hook and then brought them back here to the United States under Operation Paperclip and put them in charge of government organizations and programs. Well, and, and the people they weren't <laughs> even allowed to put on defense. And yeah. the, the stuff that was offered as evidence is ridiculous. A Supreme Court justice from the United States just walked out. He just left. Yeah. He said this thing is a complete kangaroo sham, and he left. And anyone who researches it, you don't have to. Again, it's like the Alex Jones trial. You don't have to make a decision about what were, were they actually bad actors? You don't have to get into the must six million and all that analysis. Right. You have to say, what was the procedure that was used? Well, it was so terrible and so outrageous that the Supreme Court justice just left and went home because it was so outrageous. The same kind of thing that there really isn't a trial when you mm -hmm. have the evidence that these people are being beaten for months, beaten torture for months in order to get confessions out of them. And that information is either not allowed into the trial or not part of the trial. And you, anybody who's objective has to know that that is an important piece of information that the people yeah. were beaten for months to extract confessions. Uh, it's just that, I don't know how anybody can learn just one single oh. fact like that and not go, oh, well, yeah, I mean, if the system's set up like that, hold it. They weren't allowed to introduce documents. They weren't allowed to put on a defense. Yeah, they weren't allowed to do those things. Okay, well, so it's, it's a sham. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the other thing, too, is as far as the meme of the Nuremberg Code the last couple of years came up here and spread around on social media, you know, in the right-wing circles, uh, I was listening and reviewing um, a podcast with Terry Gross at NPR interviewing Stephen Kinzer, who is known as, like, the foremost expert on MKUltra, uh, and I tell the audience all the time, there's so many, only so many documents that came out of MKUltra. It's not like me or Legal Man or Mike could dig a hole underground, climb into Fort Detrick and, like, find extra documents there's only right. so many documents you can review so Stephen kinzer he's known as the foremost expert therefore that is the official narrative that the government wants you to know about mk ultra he says right in there the united states never adopted the nuremberg code over here because otherwise uh sydney gottlieb the chief chemist who was supposedly trained by the nazis and japanese torturers that we brought back here to torture people on behalf of the united states in illegal experiments being 
being run here in the United States and also into secret uh, prison torture chambers we set up in Europe and East Asia, we were not operating under the Nuremberg Code, nor did we ever adopt the Nuremberg Code. So anyone who believes that that is going to save you, I, I think that's past. That meme is kind of fizzled out, right, as far as you've seen? I, yeah, I mean, I still see, you know, diehards like the Japanese soldiers you find in the 1970s living in the jungles, imagining that World War II is still going on. There's still people out there who believe this crap. <laughs> yeah, they're never going to give up. These, these people... <laughs> They are. They're never going to give up. They're going to keep believing in Q and that the uh, you know the seal the sealed indictments are coming and there's going to be justice and all this crap. And they usually end it with some kind of you know thing about America, the Constitution, or the you know believe in God or something. I mean, it's just it's just it's wishful thinking. It, it's the system everywhere protects itself, and that's the bottom line the the details they they don't matter because we're never ever going to get the details we're never going to get the truth even with regards to mk ultra we have no idea if any of the documents we've ever seen on mk ultra are even legitimate we have no idea they right. could be a completely separate set of fake documents that they prepared to release we have no idea there is no way to check any of this stuff and that's the problem of is it all likelihood that the MK Ultra stuff was that? Of course, it's. We know it wasn't. It wasn't them up to you know anything good because the government's <laughs> never up to anything good. No. It, it's not up to good. It's up to trying to keep people under control. And so all of these things require that people use their brain and use deductive and inductive logic to figure out what might be going on. And you start with the fact that these people don't have your best interest in charge. That you have yeah. to start with that. And once you start with that, then it's much easier to get to what is a plausible hypothesis and then kind of look out in the world and see whether there's evidence kind of out there about it. And and then you, that's it. That's kind of where you land. And I, at least where I land, because I know that I don't know what happened on any of this stuff because I wasn't there. Even if I'm there, I can't know whether what they're putting on is something like the sting. They're just putting on an elaborate show because they already made me. And they're gonna they're they're trying to make it look like something. So I go out and report something else. When in fact, as soon as I leave, they all bust out laughing. I think he bought it, guys. And then they go on and they do the real shit. There's no way to know. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's why when I decided to take on all these crazy topics here and do it different than other people have, I, I took an approach that you talk about, which is you could only really go off of the documents that are released through the official narrative, right? That's the only right. thing you could really actually review. Now, in most cases, the official narrative, like say the official narrative MK Ultra, is horrible enough. So right. if it's true, like this is what they're willing to admit to, that they set up right. fake foundations spread out LSD across the country into institutions, kicked off the counterculture, uh, and then had torture camps in Europe and East Asia where we brought in people that they deemed to be expendable that they could torture and kill. That's what they're willing to admit to. So right. then, as I've been bringing in all this stuff going on today, uh, as, if, as if I'm doing it like an investigator, and I'm covering these different topics that no one else puts together. So I bring in today this big psychedelic movement being pushed by the government, psychedelics coming out to replace a uh, uh, Adderall, then all of a sudden it's coupled with VR headsets and then all of a sudden you've got this matrix shit going on where they want to put people on psychedelics and strap them into a chair with a VR headset and I'm supposed to believe that MKUltra 
ended in 1963 because Stephen Kinzer, the foremost expert, says it did. Well, what do you call this stuff then? What is the DARPA Brain Initiative where they're drilling holes in people's heads and putting these chips inside them? That's not MK Ultra. What do you call this? I mean, that's not mind control. Everything they say is talking about controlling people's minds. Oh, for sure. And, you know, with regards to whether or not MK Ultra is or is not continuing, I, I always go use the same thing. And that is, if I was in charge, if I was in charge, would I actually end MK Ultra? Hell no. I would want to do as much research as I can about how we can mess with these people and give them drugs and fuck with their heads and turn them <laughs> into zombies. So, of course, I'd want to continue to do that. But I would also want to lead the fools out there who run around voting uh, to believe that we had ended it. So if I can figure out with just 30 seconds of thinking what I would do if I was in their position, well, of course they're doing it. And as far as whether or not we're, the government's willing to do these things, um, we dropped gelatin petroleum on villages all over Southeast Asia and just burn people alive, little kids, everything else. We use these uranium depleted uh, artillery shells everywhere. We firebombed Dresden. We dropped nukes on country that had agreed to surrender a long time earlier that it was all technical nonsense. It's We have absolute proof that they will do anything to people in order to stay in power. And so the, that's not part of the analysis, in my opinion, because that's already a given that the people who run things, they will do anything to anyone to stay in power. And they don't use the same kind of moral compass that people like me or you use. We, they don't say, well, gosh, I don't want to kill innocent people. I don't want to. That's They see that as collateral damage and justified. And they have all these things in their head. And you can see these people who are billionaires who nothing's ever enough for them. Nothing's ever enough. They'll just keep going. Is that something that an average person can relate to? No. And the average person, if you had, they had a billion dollars, they're not going to keep doing things and screwing people over. If you gave them a, a million dollars, a lot of people, a lot of people think winning some fucking free lunch uh, by having their card pulled is some big deal. Uh, there, most people can be bought for very little, but these psychopaths who run things, they can't. There's nothing they won't do. There's no amount of stuff they can get that will ever satisfy them. And there's no limit to what they will engage in in order to stay in power and grow their power. That's just reality. And the people don't accept that. And everything flows from the fact that they don't accept that baseline reality. They just don't accept it. And oh, uh, you know, yeah. there's nothing you can do with people who won't accept that reality. I tell people all the time. Can you relate to the mind of somebody who likes to torture and kill animals? Most people can't relate to that, but they know that they exist and they have no problem understanding there are people who torture and kill animals. But then you tell them that these people who you're, you're, you're calling your leaders and these people behind the scenes, they have this other mentality. Well, the people don't accept that. They just don't, they don't behave consistently with somebody who accepts the fact that the people in charge are basically psychopaths who will do anything to you. They don't accept that. And so that's one of the strongest tools that the people in power have is that the average person simply will not accept who they are.